0: Let's turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10. And here we're reading verses 29 through 33. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 29 to 33. Let's pray to the Lord, ask for His help. Our Father, thank You uh, for Your Word. I do pray as well, as I uh, forgot that You would be with uh, the Deng family and that You would heal them of their illness. Uh, And as we come to the life-giving Word and the healing Word, Father, we pray that You would heal our souls and our bodies. And that You would grant to us salvation In Christ Jesus, your Son, by faith, that you would grant to us ears to hear and eyes to see Jesus, your Son, and that you would encourage us in Christ, as we have heard many hard things in this chapter, encourage us in uh, our calling as Christians, as ministers, as husbands and fathers, as parents, Uh, teach us your ways and uh, grant to us. Much blessing, and blessing only because of Christ your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, these are God's words. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your Father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are more of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men him, will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Whosoever shall deny me before men him, will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven." Those are God's words. What is it for the apostles to go out into the world, specifically into Israel and amongst the Jews with the good news of Jesus Christ that He is the Messiah that has been promised, the anointed one, kids, right? The Christ to come, and He has come. And the kingdom of heaven, we know, is near, and therefore you ought to repent. That's what we've heard so far in Matthew's Gospel, the message of the Gospel, uh, given. But to do that, the call to sinners to acknowledge their sin and turn to one who is the Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ, that even amongst the Jews, turns people on edge and... There comes that natural hostility of the world that they have for Christ Jesus as they are children of their father the devil who has filled himself with vitriol against Christ so his children do the same. They can do no other. Unless the Lord, uh, by His sovereign grace, sends His Holy Spirit into their hearts to make them alive and willing to turn to Christ from their sins. And praise the Lord our God does that. Uh, In Christ by His Holy Spirit. He effectually calls sinners to Himself. And those whom He calls come. And so, what about you? What about you? Have you come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation? That's a very important question this morning as we consider this passage. Because the answer to the question determines your eternity. It determines your eternity. The apostles are here receiving encouragement from Christ as they go out to labor in the gospel, as, as Christ sends them out. And He tells them the truth, as we've heard throughout chapter 10. He's told them the hard things. And here in our passage, He tells them the complete and comforting reality and, and does that to encourage them to continue. Though it might be hard to go out, there are also encouragements. And so the first point this morning, the Lord's providential care. The Lord's providential care, verse 29, it says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. Not too sure why the people on that day sold and bought sparrows. Uh, There is for the poor... Uh, to come and offer a burnt sacrifice, uh, a burnt offering, a provision for them to bring a turtle dove or a pigeon in place of a ram or a bull in Scripture. And because of this, such poor could come and buy those birds for a small price in order to come and present their offerings to the priests uh, and uh, thus undo a burnt offering. It would seem a sparrow was probably One of the cheapest birds. As it here says that two are sold for a farthing. Even in in Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, the parallel passage,
1: it says something slightly different,
0: and yet same principle. Uh, There, it seems like you get one extra for free. When you spend two farthings, not just one, as here, but two farthings, you spend that, you get... Not four sparrows, but five. So you almost get uh, you get a free one. Kind of sounds like, and a farthing, or in Greek uh, called an aserion, was like pennies right to us. Pennies, friends. It wasn't much. Not worth much. The sparrows the Lord Jesus is referring to are not costly. Uh, that tells you about the argument, the encouragement the Lord Jesus is referring to are not. Uh, uh, these are not costly and he's as He's referring to these things He's doing this for an argument and encouragement to you, His people and especially His apostles but also to us. They're not worth much, these sparrows. They're not worth much. These little creatures are of so small account that one of them is not valued. It's nothing. You have to Get two for it to be one, worth one penny for us, right? Otherwise, just one is nothing. So these little creatures, one is free. Two is a farthing. Two for a penny or one for nothing. And one of them shall not fall to the ground. One of them, which is worth nothing, shall fall to the ground without God the Father. Ordaining it. One that has no value of themselves. And yet God the Father cares for them. Luke 12 says, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings and not one of them is forgotten before God? They're not forgotten so here in our passage, when not one falls to the ground without the Father, and in Luke's Gospel, not one of them is forgotten. Yeah. The Lord always knows where his, each of His sparrows no. are that are worth nothing by themselves. No. So God does not forget them. He's omniscient. Kids, what does omniscient mean? It means all-knowing. God is all-knowing. He knows all things. He knows the sparrow, even the sparrow, the bird that's worth nothing. He doesn't forget them. But not only does He not forget them, even one of them, we could say a virtually worthless sparrow. One passage, not, not one of these sparrows in our passage will fall on the ground without our Father. That is, that they will not fall and die on the ground without it being in the providence and plan of God. They will not come to the ground for seeds to eat for food without the Father's sovereign providence putting that seed there for them. Nor will they come down unless He's ordained it. What are God's works of providence, kids? Levi? Levi? Boaz? What are God's works of providence? God's work, I'll say it, I'll say it. God's works of providence are His most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all His creatures and all their actions. All His creatures and all their actions. Every single thing that happens, even for the worthless sparrow, the Lord preserves and He governs them He provides and He cares for them. The seeds on the ground that the sparrow flies down to the ground to eat, they were laid there by the God of providence for that very purpose, that they would fly down according to His providence and eat that seed. Matthew 6 says, Behold, the fowls, the birds of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Psalm 84, the Lord provides shelter, a home for the sparrow. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow, a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. He cares for even the sparrow, which is without real value. Then, will He cause His saints, Christians, to starve? and be without shelter? Will He not care for you? As He's saying here in Matthew 10, will He not care for you apostles as you are sent out? And the same for us all, Christians. Will He not also care for each and every one of you? You see here, very easily, that we can see that the Lord Jesus is making an argument from the lesser to the greater. If He cares for the virtually worthless sparrow, Every single one, and feeds it, houses it, doesn't forget it, knows everything about it, knows exactly what it's going to do because he's ordained it, then how much more are you his apostles that he's sending forth with his gospel that saves people and gives them life? How much more will he care for you, Christian, who do the same and for you who it is said Psalm one thirty nine, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Isaiah 43, you're precious in God's sight. He doesn't say that about the sparrow. He says that about you, His people. Do you love the Lord? Psalm 91 says, because He has set His love upon me, therefore will I deliver Him. I will set Him on high, because He hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Verse 30 of our passage, it says, But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. The very hairs of your head, friends, are all numbered. Our Father accounts for every single strand of hair. That you can see and not see. Our Father accounts for every single one. Each one is numbered to be the exact number that you are to have on your head right now. At this particular moment, He's numbered them. He sovereignly reigns. He determines the number of your hairs. He cares for those hairs. Even though, I think biologically or whatever it's called, they're dead. He cares for them. He cares so much about your hairs that He numbers them. Well, how much more than your body and your soul? How much does He care for you? Your person, right? If if God numbers your hairs, then how much more does He care for your heads? And how much more does He care for your life and your soul and your comforts and your needs? Jesus is saying all of this to show that God the Father cares more for you than you do for yourself. You don't number your hairs, do you? You often do hurt to your own body and soul. You care more for and number your money, your goods, your animals, your clients. How much property you have, and yet you never, you have never been so careful as to number the hairs on your head. Which ones fall off, which ones are lost, which ones grow back. He knows though. But you don't care. You never missed them until you are without. But then you haven't numbered them, so you don't even know how many you've lost. And how many you've had. But he knows. Luke 21 says, Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what ye shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and, and a wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolks and friends. Some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for My namesake, but there shall not an hair of your head perish. Not one ounce of hurt will come unto you. Not even one hair will fall or be cut off that hasn't gone through the most valuable consideration of your Father in Heaven for His glory and your good. So precious to God are His saints and their lives. Verse 31, it says, Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Not just one sparrow, but many sparrows. If a sparrow does not die without your father, surely a man or a woman, a child, a Christian, a minister, my friend, does not die without apart from him a bird falls not into a trap doesn't get shot by the hunter doesn't come to be sold with another uh, with another for a farthing but according to the full and complete providence of almighty god and so as you go out and preach he's saying to the apostles and Christians as you go out testifying the good news your enemies will uh, like sly trappers and hunters they may lay traps for you they may shoot you like the hunter. But they cannot take you, they cannot hit you, unless God in His almighty, careful providence and care gives them the ability to do so and only does that for your good and His glory. But they can't do it unless He in His providence ordains it to be. So do not fear. Certainly He's saying, do not fear men. Do not fear your enemies, those who attack you. Don't fear them. Do not be afraid of death. Do not be afraid of your enemies, because your enemies have no actual power over you. No power against you. But what is given them from above. God is able to break their bows and their snares. Psalm 38 says, They also that seek after my life lay snares for me, and they that seek my hurt speak mischievous things, and imagine deceits all day long. But I, as a deaf man, heard not. And I was as dumb a dumb man that openeth not his mouth. Thus I was as a man that heareth not, and in whose mouth are no reproofs. For in Thee, O Lord, do I hope. Thou wilt hear, O Lord my God. Of course, that prophesying of Jesus Christ, what He would deal with and make no... Response, open not his mouth. But the same for all of you. Psalm 64. That they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune of laying snares privily. They say, who shall see them? They search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search. Both the inward thought of every one of them, and the heart is deep. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded. Our God is the same God. Psalm 124, our soul is escaped. As a bird out of the snare of the fowlers, the snare is broken. We are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So he says, fear ye not therefore... Friends, there is enough in the doctrine of God's providence to silence all of your fears. Christians, you are the covenant people of God. Ye are of more value than many sparrows. All men are so, for they're made in the image of God. And all the other creatures out there were made for man and put under His feet. Right, Psalm 8. Well, how much more the disciples of Christ, the apostles, Christians, uh, who are in union with Jesus Christ. Think of Leviticus 14. It says, uh, the word used there is uh, for birds is the same used uh, for sparrows in the Old Testament. It says, If the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper, then shall the priest command to take for him, that is, to be cleansed, two birds. That's the word that's the same as sparrows in the Old Testament. Uh, Take the two birds, cleanse two birds, alive and clean, in cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it and the cedar wood, and the scarlet, and the hyssop, and shall dip them, and the living bird, and the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water, and he shall sprinkle upon them that is to be cleansed from leprosy seven times, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. In that passage, um, the priest... We would say has a choice. Which bird lives and which bird dies. He probably doesn't think about the, which bird it is. He grabs one of the birds that maybe doesn't try to get away from him. But the Lord is saying that one that dies, the one that dies by that priest, the one that falls to the ground without, doesn't do so without me determining it to be so. And bringing it about in His providence. And that for the sake of the one who's unclean with leprosy. To show forth that cleansing of uncleanness and sin is by the sprinkling of blood that cleanses. It's by the sprinkling of the blood of Christ. That's the picture there in Leviticus. Uh, The sprinkling of the blood of Christ that we are cleansed of all of our sins. You know, Jesus never died on the cross bearing the sins of any sparrow or bird. And yet the Lord cares for the sparrow. How much more of you for whom Christ died and shed His blood, receiving the full condemnation of what your sins deserve there on the cross. How much more? He who did not spare His Son, but delivered Him over for us all. How much more does He care for you? If He did that. And so even doubt His care for you, Christian, is to doubt the very sacrifice of His Son for you. And so He comes here and He says, Fear ye not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. In fact, you're the most precious thing in the sight of the Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. His most precious bride. He chose you as His most prized possession. 1 John 3, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And so the Lord's providential care is a great encouragement when we bear witness for Christ and the good news of the gospel. Even in the face of great danger. Secondly, second encouragement, the Lord's heavenly promise. The Lord's heavenly promise. Verse 32, it says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. And the language of whosoever is uh, familiar probably to us. It is exhaustive. It's not just for the apostles, but for all, whosoever. There is a shortly a day of triumph for all the saints of God. And saints, Christians, are those who confess Christ before men. He says here, whosoever shall own Christ as theirs, confessing Him before men, even in the day of trial and suffering and persecution, He promises on the last day, Jesus, He will own us. Before His Father. He will confess you before His Father. But those who deny Christ before men shall be forever disowned, if we can use that language, and rejected by Christ even before His Father who is in heaven. Confessing Christ before men, we heard last week, is a Christian duty. And if we are faithful in that duty, Jesus promises here, it will be to your unspeakable honor and happiness and joy to confess Christ before Him now. It is our duty. Not only to believe in Christ, to profess faith in Christ. That is a duty. It's an obligation to each one of you. And a few of you struggle with this because you will not come and profess Christ before men, even profess faith uh, before the church. But you have faith. What keeps you from this, even though you have faith? Remember Romans 10 says, "...the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus." "...and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved." Well, come then and confess and profess with thy mouth before men. That Christ died for you. Rose for you. Rules for you. What prevents you? Fear? Does fear prevent you? He says, fear ye not therefore. Come and confess Him. Do not be ashamed to be named with Jesus Christ. And that's a warning to you, even children. A warning to you that not to be ashamed, to be named with Christ. Because the promise here is also, verse 33, a warning. You have a duty to believe on Christ, turning from your sins, and confess Him before the church. Professing publicly your faith, but also all Christians have a duty to confess Him, Jesus Christ, before men of the world. Before men, women, and children of the world. Not just in the church, but outside in the world, to confess even before our enemies, those enemies of Christ in the world, and to confess Him unto suffering, where you're called to do it, then confess Him as well, serving Christ. We must never be ashamed of our relation with our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, our attending upon Him, even in serving and worshiping Him. We cannot be ashamed of doing so. Our attending upon Him, our expectations from Him and His promises, the sincerity of our faith in Him is evidence. In other words, it is proved the sincerity of our faith, our expectations in our hope in His promises, they're all confirmed in our confessing Christ before men. And yet, confessing Christ before men exposes you to affliction now, trouble now. But what's His promise? If you confess me in this present time on earth before men, the great heavenly promise is that I, Jesus, will confess you before my Father in heaven. I will confess you before my Father. When the Lord Jesus prays in John 17 to His Father, if you're confessing Christ before men, then Jesus was praying for you at that time and is still praying for you now. He will come at the judgment where you stand at the judgment seat and Christ judges you, and He will at that time confess you before the Father that you be received based on His righteousness alone. And on the earth you may be a poor, worthless worm of a sinner. And Christ will say of you at the time of the judgment, this one is mine. One of my friends. One of my most precious bride. And this one loves me. They have been purchased by my blood the workmanship of my Holy Spirit. And those of you who honor Christ on earth, He will honor before His Father in heaven. It's a dangerous thing to deny Christ before men, to disown Christ before men, for they who do so will be uh, disowned, we could say, by Christ in that great day, or not confessed before the Father. And so you today who have not professed faith before the church, There is before you two options, confessing Him before men and not, which is denying Him before men. If you don't confess Him before men, you're denying Him. That's what He says. There is a heavenly reward in confessing Him before men. There is an eternal deadly, uh, deathly punishments for those not confessing Him before men. So come and confess Him. Come and profess faith in Him. Come to Christ by faith and receive salvation. And the great promise here is eternal life in Him, that He will confess you before His Father. And so then, being justified in the sight of God, come confessing His name to the world and in the world. But there's going to be trouble here. If you confess Him here, but not in glory. Not in eternity, there is only everlasting blessing and having Christ confess you before His Father, but here, trouble. When you confess Christ before this world, they may laugh at you. Better to be laughed out here than to be laughed out of heaven. They may mock you here, but to be mocked here is better than to fear men and be mocked Persecute you and afflict you and to, to hurt you. But better to be persecuted and afflicted here than to be persecuted and afflicted out of heaven. Think of the parable of the sower again. But he that receiveth seed in the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, yet, yet hath he not root in himself, but doeth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth... Because of the Word, by and by he's offended and he ends up denying Christ. He no longer confesses Him. And it's that one who was persecuted and afflicted out of heaven. They're offended. They denied Christ. And so turn to the great day, the great and dreadful day. That's the encouragement here. Turn in your mind and your heart to that great and dreadful day of the Lord's judgment. Powerful and infinite judgments on that last day and fear not man now, but show forth our love for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and show forth that love and desire in confessing Him before the world. That all the world might love Him too. But some of you might think, well, what about Peter? He denied Christ. Do not construe this to refer to the Christian struggle in confessing Christ. Some of you Christians, I know, struggle with confessing Christ before the world. It is true, all Christians confess Christ before men, but not perfectly. The warning, the promise of verse 33, the threats of it do not strike against those who do deny and fail for a time and afterwards, like Peter, repent. And are then ready to confess Christ to the full as Peter did for the rest of his life. For such men do not refuse to avow Christ. No Christian refuses to confess Christ, but each one resolves to confess Him to keep their resolution to do so, although at sometimes they fall or fail, just like Peter did when he denied Christ three times. But there's always repentance. In the Christian. In the one who is confessed before the Father. There's always repentance. We have a merciful Savior. Now we know more about the Father through Him. That the Lord cares providentially, especially for the people for whom He delivered His Son over, that they would be saved. Do you believe? As we heard the question at the very beginning, have you come to uh, believe? Have you come to the Lord through Jesus Christ for salvation? Then He has two encouragements for you. As you go out into the world, which is your Christian duty, that He especially cares for you. In every breath of the hairs on your head, even unto death, He cares for you to bring you unto the world, the next world, right? In the glory. And He promises you there, here, that He will confess you before His Father in heaven on that great judgment day. So two great encouragements for us, the people of God, to go out and to fulfill our Christian duty to bear testimony of the gospel and not be ashamed of Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for granting to us these encouragements. We pray that we would be resolved to confess Christ before men, even in this world. And that the end would be produced, it would be produced that you uh, in Christ would confess us before the Father. And we know you will because you don't break your promises, you're always faithful. And we're thankful. Uh, For the strength we can gain and the comfort we can gain knowing that you're always caring for us. Every single hair on our head, every molecule that's working in our bodies, the blood flowing, the oxygen, all these things, even our brain, the electrical things working there, perfectly according to your providence, every single one of them in all their microscopic intricacies. You are providentially caring for us, controlling by Your great sovereign grace and rule. And so, Father, move us to make known Christ to the world, to make Christ known, and to confess Him before the watching world, who is hostile to You. We pray that many would hear. And You would soften their hearts and grant them faith and save them. For You desire all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And so, Father, we pray these things, pleading for Your encouragement to our hearts truly. And uh, a strength and the grace to go out and confess. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.